Hello and welcome to another episode of uh, Zero Knowledge or the Zero Knowledge podcast. I don't really know what to call it yet. Either just Zero Knowledge or Zero Knowledge podcast. <laughs> I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad we now have a, a name for it. Um, today is kind of a special episode because we're actually going to be um, speaking with another fellow parody employee. Uh, and this time we wanted to do something kind of more general, we wanted to look back at 2017 and then also do a little bit of looking forward at 2018. So on the line with us, we have one of the most important core developers at Parity, I would say, Merrick. Hello. Merrick, do you want to tell uh, the Zero Knowledge audience a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, so I originally heard about Ethereum in 2013, at the end of 2013. And since then, I, I've been excited about the space. And uh, I started contributing to the Ethereum project in early 2014 and then joined full time uh, in September 2014. And since then, I, I, I've been a member of, of the space and uh, initially working for the Ethereum Foundation. And since the end of 2015, for Parity Technologies. Very cool. <laughs> Old school. I guess I can start with my view of 2017. Uh, I actually, I joined Parity in the middle of 2017. Uh, so I don't have a lot of insights from the first half of the year of what happened like in the company, but I've been following the space for the whole year. So, I mean, one obvious thing is that the enormous price increase. <laughs> but aside from that, I think there's been some interesting technological developments. So we had the Byzantium hard fork bringing in some new encryption primitives, especially. And um, I'm really, really excited to see like Zcash getting more attention and just generally zero knowledge proofs getting more attention and getting more um, real world applications. And what we were hearing about zero knowledge proofs for a long time is that they're like this unknown entity. We don't really know if it works. It's new encryption tech and like blah, blah, blah. Now, like it's been in production, like it's holding a ton of value and, and like it's it's working. Um, Obviously, like you, you can, it, it's still relatively new, uh, but seeing it get as much attention as it has has been exciting for me. Um, generally, in the blockchain space, we saw Bitcoin Cash come out, which is a big thing. Um, it's still really interesting to me to see how that's going to play out. Um, Bitcoin Cash offers a lot of like new stuff. And Marek, you, you were in the there latest dev meeting, uh, so maybe you can talk a bit more about what their roadmap is for 2018. Definitely. Uh, so regarding Bitcoin Cash, uh, there was a, a meeting happening uh, a few weeks ago uh, where, where, like, uh, where the authors of, of uh, different uh, Bitcoin implementation discussed the future of, of Bitcoin Cash and, uh, and what should be done in the first place. So um, basically, we've uh, uh, we've, ag we, we've agreed on several things, uh, starting from uh, further block size increase. Uh, so uh, in the next release of, of Bitcoin Cash, the, the block size will be increased to 32 megabytes. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but it doesn't mean that uh, you know every block has to be 32 megabytes. It means that uh, at the peak. Uh, the blocks will be 
uh, capable of, of having uh, 32 megabytes of, of transactions. Uh, uh, just a quick question on that. Has there been any, so th the main argument against bigger blocks obviously is that it requires more bandwidth on the nodes and blah, blah, blah. You can't have the same distributed type of network. Has there, has there been any sort of analysis made now that we have eight meg blocks? I mean, we, we have data, we, we can say, has the network grown larger or smaller? Does it require bigger nodes or, or like, has there, was there any talk about that? Uh, so there was an analysis uh, made by uh, Andrew Stone, who is a core developer of uh, Bitcoin Unlimited. And uh, he, he made an analysis uh, uh, where he checked uh, what's the limit of, of, of the block size and how, how the, 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 the blocks are being propagated with in the network if we increase the, the block size. I can't exactly remember the numbers, but the, uh, the outcome of this analysis was that like, Bitcoin should be able to handle even a few hundred megabyte blocks and we should not be afraid to increase the block size. So I, sh I should uh, try to find that, uh, that article and uh, uh, yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. That. I, I've read it a long time ago. Uh, so yeah, there, there was some kind of uh, some, some analysis and you know, uh, there were different opinions uh, whether or not this is, uh, this is a, a good analysis. There are people, on a, especially on the Bitcoin core side, arguing that it's not, uh, it's not true and the, uh, the assumptions are wrong. But uh, Yeah, I, I think we can just, uh, if we link yeah. the article, people can make up their minds on their own whether or not it's uh, a valid <laughs> analysis. But I think uh, what I'm most interested in is whether or not there has been any analysis at all. I mean, mm -hmm. like I said, there is no data. We can research this. So it's, it's good to hear that it's, that that's been worked on at least. Merrick? What else do you remember? For what was your memory of 2017? What are the biggest things that happened, in your opinion? The biggest, I think we got, the, the blockchain space got more, uh, and became more attractive for, uh, for investors and because, because of the price increase. And, you know, it was just uh, like the, the price increased so fast that uh, you know a lot of people who are not so interested in a space before became interested and started talking about about the blockchain space and this uh, brought a lot of interest from from developers uh, who are not familiar with the crypto space before uh, so I, I kind of think that uh, the price of the Bitcoin and ethereum is irrelevant that like as we get more talented people in a space, we also have a bigger variety variety of, of, of solutions that uh, that may be you know, which may be useful in in future. What were those like? Definitely, I mean, so from where I'm sitting, also having started a parody later, like halfway through the year, basically, um, as I started to get more excited about the space, I saw all these friends in tech and other industries really starting to pay attention. We'd all been, no, we all knew about the space for a long time, but it was just like one of many exciting spaces. And this mm -hmm. year it seems like it became the exciting space. All of these conferences started to like put their programming right around this topic. You had more and more self-proclaimed blockchain experts pop out of 
your group of friends. That was really interesting. I wonder from where you were sitting, because you have been in it for such a long time, like, do you, what, like, not only have talented people come in, but what has really changed for you? Like, what, what does it look like? Uh, okay, so in my, maybe in my personal life, uh, people who are never uh, into crypto or never into tech or were, or, or have heard about crypto space before, but were skeptical about it, are now very often asking me about some investment advices. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm refusing to, to answer those questions, but um, even, even a week ago, I was uh, talking with some uh, girl who is a photographer, and uh, somehow she changed the topic, uh, you know, like of our conversation from photography to crypto, and she was the person who initiated that, because <laughs> uh, her sister, as uh, some IT manager and she recently invested in crypto and uh, yeah so like this people starts you know like having uh, some kind of uh, thoughts about crypto being aware that it exists and uh, it's not very often not only about the price but also about the underlying technology because people want to want to understand why why this tech is uh, is, uh, is so crazy right now so I think that that has changed this year that uh, people are trying to understand to find the reasons behind the whole craziness. What so. about specifically in the Ethereum, like the Ethereum universe? So you used to be in the foundation. You know all mm -hmm. those people for a long time. What mm -hmm. what happened this year in that space specifically? Okay, uh, <laughs> so first of all, we've had multiple hacks. Uh, we've seen multiple hacks. Uh, I mean, we've seen two hacks in party. Uh, and many others uh, uh, related with with, uh, with different ICOs. So we we we've also seen multiple ICOs and people who are not who are never in a space uh, joining this 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 crypto crypto space and starting their own ICO. So ICO became kind of a of a standard for finding an an investment for your startup. Mm. I don't know if it's good because. Uh, uh, Historically, if you're uh, starting a startup, uh, you'd have to have some kind of proof of concept, and with this proof of concept, you're uh, you're going to investors and you're trying to convince them that this proof of concept is actually uh, a good idea legit. and that mm -hmm. legit. Uh, whereas right now, uh, people are collecting money without having a proof of concept, and they're uh, unproved things collecting hundreds of thousands of dollars and uh, they're not incentivized to actually do what they promise to do uh, so that's uh, I think that's yeah. a I, I think there's yeah the, those are the two main problems with this is that one is that the due diligence isn't what it is in the traditional VC space like yes. traditional VCs not only are more critical but they have experience of seeing like what works and what doesn't work and and a, a naive investor will say oh this is an awesome idea and have no idea that this has been tried 50 times before mm -hmm. and it fails for this or that reason and on on the second note uh, the incentivizations are wrong so yeah like you're saying they're getting a hundred hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars up front and and they don't have to do anything to get like they already have that money it's yeah. the it's the kickstarter model like there's no 
incentivization other than your reputation to actually do anything. And in the traditional VC model, you would have, you know, you don't get all the money on day one. You get payments if you can prove this or that, and you know, like the, the money comes with strings attached. And um, having money with no strings attached, I, I, I'm skeptical that that's a good thing. Although on one side, one, one thing that I have enjoyed uh, seeing this year is like the, the sort of formula of raising money in startup land has been so documented. The pitch deck, the 10 slider with the t like everything is so formulaic and going to pitch competitions is the most boring thing in the world now because it's just like this repetition mm -hmm. of this formula. This year what happened was like everybody, nobody's doing pitch decks, everyone has a white paper, which is a little more technical, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of scams and a lot of bullshit white papers out there. But I, I actually have enjoyed seeing this sort of shifting of the, the way that people are communicating ideas, the different form, like the different um, channels that people are using to actually showcase new ideas and share uh, what they want to do and then raise money. I think, it's, I think that's interesting. What I am concerned with is it just switches to a new model that then everybody replicates and it just becomes yeah. equally gross and boring and crappy yeah uh, yeah for sure i think that's what ha what's happening but it's also Im important to keep in mind that very few people actually do raise money on nothing but their slide deck it certainly happens it happens more in sf than anywhere else um but like if you wanted to raise money in sweden you'd have to have a working business essentially yeah um and so th there's um we're flattening the standards a little bit where like it's now getting closer across the whole world to what San Francisco funding model is and uh, also might be good or bad. I mean, this year we saw some crazy ICOs too. Things that were pretty unexpected. Certain yeah. groups raising, I mean, obviously the, the really, really big ones were raising over 200 million at times like in within a day or sometimes within an hour and I, we've heard these stories of like in 17 minutes we raised <laughs> x amount of million i mean that's exciting mm. i wonder um I'm, I'm curious to see i'm, I'm excited actually this is a, kind of leading into next year but i'm excited to see which of those teams deliver which ones yeah. turn out to be the biggest scams in history <laughs> yes oh, yeah uh, so like one of the uh, my main predictions may be uh, for uh, for 2018 is that we'll see uh, a huge crackdown of ICOs from SEC and other institutions. So uh, so I, I think we'll, we'll see the space being more regulated and people not being so eager uh, to create um, an ICO. Yeah, I think that's that's. I mean, it's inevitable that uh, more regulation will come to this space. So far, I've been um, reasonably impressed with the uh, SEC's responses, though they are shutting some things down that are just outright scams. Um, and they're regulating like security like uh, tokens and whatever. Um, but their latest um, public statements on this was um, pretty well balanced, actually, like they were saying that there's value here, we don't want to shut this down, uh, but we also need to make sure that it stays within bounds of, you know, re reasonable expectations. Um, and 
I mean, I know the regulation in Sweden is very stiff on this, and it, I mean, it's treating everything um, on on the tax level, it's treating everything as securities, and then um, like on the regulation level, it's it's basically unregulated still. I mean, uh, one thing that I actually look forward to in 2018, and I and I don't I don't know if it's going to happen this year, but is some clarity on that. I think there's a lot of groups that are trying very hard to follow the right rules, but because there are no rules, they're sort of, they could be actually putting themselves or their investors or their, you know, their stakeholders in some sort of danger. And I think they don't want to. I think there are actually, there's a lot of groups who are, who have the best of intentions. I think that uh, in upcoming year, we'll hopefully see uh, like the space uh, regulating itself uh, a bit. So I, I think that's a large part of what's needed uh, yeah. is self-regulation as well, because you, you ultimately get down to a point where um, some of this stuff is, is literally impossible to regulate by design. Mm -hmm. So if you say, like if the SEC cracks down on all ICOs, you're not allowed to have an ICO. You just make it anonymously. And you, there, there's no way to prevent people from transacting on the Ethereum network. Like there's literally no way you can prevent that. So... How do you try to regulate it? I mean, it, it, the, the regulation has to be aware of this and has to try to fit within that framework, which is why I think no one will try to like really have a hard-nosed crackdown on it because they realize that it, ultimately it's a futile attempt. When you talk about internal um, sort of self-regulation, do you, do you also, are you thinking a little bit along the lines of like governance? Are you thinking along the lines of like how the decisions are made in the community? Or are you just assuming no. that people and organizations and like groups yeah. will? I'm thinking more about uh, a way of, uh, about ICOs and the way the money is being collected right now. So I, I believe that the community will. Uh, so first of all, I, I believe that the people who are doing an ICOs, there will be, uh, there'll be, uh, the, the KYC process will become more common so they'll do some some kind of verification of the people participating in the ICOs, uh, and uh, second of all, I think we'll see maybe some kind of frameworks uh, for for identity. So people who are uh, hosting the ICOs, they will not be totally anonymous. So uh, maybe maybe that's something uh, that Upart could do, or, or like one of the startups that's working in a, in the identity space. So maybe do some kind of framework which will, uh, I don't know, credit uh, uh, like uh, founders of, of, of some of projects. I don't oh, know. Yeah, yeah the, the accreditation of the founders. That's interesting. I hadn't heard. I hadn't actually heard of that. I think people will. Yeah, people will get smarter as well. I mean, it's a it's a very new space. Like, and that's every time someone talks to me about blockchain, I keep reminding people that this is an extremely new space. Even the technology is extremely new, and like we're still working out fundamental kinks that like you you can't really deploy a proper application on Ethereum today. So a bunch of these projects that are upcoming, I mean, they're making assumptions that some problems on the foundational level will be solved mm -hmm. by the time they've built something. Um, so that was, uh, that was yeah. actually a finding this year, which is that a lot of the projects are concepts and they're, they're experiments and they're hypotheticals. And 
and it actually stop me if I'm wrong, but I feel like 2017, well, we did see the introduction of a lot of the proof of stake protocols. Um, still some being very theoretical, but I believe that we're also seeing some that are now operational. Uh, in 2018, a lot of those hypotheticals of this year will actually come to fruition. We'll start to see them, at least on test nets. Yeah. Uh, I'm really Th those curious are to those, see. Yeah, the improvements on the foundational layer, um, the discussion of them ha have come a long way in 2017, both like sharding and proof of stake and um, many other solutions and like state channels are now at the, uh, at the tip of everyone's tongues. Whereas in 2016, I, like people didn't know what state channels were. Um, so I think people are thinking about these foundational concepts and, and the thinking has evolved quite a lot. Um, I think 2018 is too early of a time to actually have any of it implemented, but um, it's certainly where we'll start seeing like proof of concepts of those foundational improvements, like you're saying on test nets or other. So I've heard that the Lightning Network is already uh, working on the on the live uh, Bitcoin. Um, I network. saw that too. Yeah. But um, I haven't so tried it myself. So. It was just a week ago. Maybe, so I would say that 2016 was like the year of DAO, and the 2017 was the year of ICOs, and maybe, maybe 2018 will be either the year of uh, state channels or the year of uh, proof of stake. We'll see. I would love for it to be either of those things, uh, but uh, especially if yeah. proof of stake uh, becomes, uh, becomes a thing. So, I mean, Talking about 2018, I, I, I wrote down earlier my top three wishes for uh, 2018. Number one is parity DB. Mm -hmm. uh, we've seen in the Ethereum community that sync times are atrocious. It takes days to sync nodes. And part of this problem is that the sort of snapshotting and warp sync infrastructure is uh, like it's working, but kind of haphazardly and there's improvements we can make on that. There's improvements that, that the get client can make on that. Um, but sync times are ultimately, um, kind of the bottle they're bottlenecked by the database hmm. in parity. We're using RocksDB, and, uh, there's, there's tunings that we can do to RocksDB to improve things in the short term. Uh, but long term, we really need like an Ethereum specific database, a database that that makes assumptions about the types of reads and writes that uh, a syncing blockchain node will make. And that's uh, that's what Marek started working on this year. And uh, hopefully uh, it will be integrated into parity in 2018 and, and bring 10x improvements. No, I don't know, but <laughs> hopefully better. Hopefully. Yes. I know. Um, so on, on one other point that I, I've been hearing a lot about as we round out 2017 and, and head into 2018 is um, a bigger emphasis on tooling and setting up a lot of the a lot of the t a lot of the kind of tests and technologies to be able to catch and catch any of these bugs in, in advance, uh, especially I think around Solidity, I think there's been a recognition that this language requires, like there's still a lot of building that needs to happen around it for it to function as it should at this scale. Um, I know that on, in, our, in our office, we have some people who are working on developing some of those tools. I've heard about actually in the community, some other groups who've taken really strong initiatives to start bringing together people around this concept. 
Um, yeah, and I, and I expect to see and hear and read more about that next year, which will be cool. So you, you predict that 2018 will be the year of tooling? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think we need uh, better tooling, especially for application development. So yeah. right now we have Solidity and several tools for Solidity like Truffle uh, and, uh, or Embark, but we don't, uh, for example, we don't have a formal, any formal verification tool for, for Solidity. And I, I've heard that there are several teams working on independently on those kind of tools. So I hope like, at least one of them will succeed and uh, uh, we'll, we'll make something production ready in upcoming months. And uh, I think it will be a, a great yeah. improvement. And the hope with this is it because I think there's, there's a lot of excitement about the space, but every time the hic any of these hiccups happen, any time there's a hack, any time there's something that breaks, any time something gets clogged, I think people realize that it's nascent technology, that there's like a lot of things missing. And then what unfortunately can happen is people can also just totally lose interest. They'll be like, this is bullshit. And I think that's the fear is like, if things keep breaking, then there's a chance that people just turn their back and it goes into some sort of decentralized winter, some, some period yeah. where we don't trust it anymore. Um, I think this actually leads to another idea that, I mean, 2018, I've heard, I mean, I've heard so many people predict that that's the year when everything crashes. Mm -hmm. What do you guys think? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so like I said before, everything is still so early technology. Like you were saying, a, a decentralized winter. Like, I don't necessarily think that's a bad idea. <laughs> if we can have some, some time and space to actually work on this stuff and, and make it better before mass adoption. Like, I don't think we should necessarily push for mass adoption as priority number one right now. I think mm -hmm. it's too early. So um, um, I, I don't think things will come crashing down. I think, I mean, market corrections and stuff like that will surely happen. But uh, from a, like from our point of view, like we'll keep working on things and we'll keep making things better. And I don't, I don't predict that. Um, the technology is any in any sort of ready shape for a mass adoption for like at least another five years or something. So it's but but don't you think that's what could bring it down? Because it it's people are acting as though it, it is ready for mass adoption in a way. What about you, Merrick? What do you think? Will there be a, a crash? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know, it was like there's 50% of, of crash happening. So there will be either a crash or there won't be crash. So, uh, <laughs> very 50, diplomatic 50 of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. And I, I think that the increasing price helps bring new people to the, to the space. But I don't think that, uh, like that the market crashing will discourage people from working on, on attack itself. I don't think it will stop that, that development. What other, so think again, like let's, let's sort of wrap with a little bit more thought of the whole ecosystem in 2018. What parts of it do you think we could see rising up? What parts of it do you think we could see losing, losing I, ground? I, I think uh, something that will uh, rise up and um, I think like 2019 will be the year of uh, interoperability projects like Polkadot and Cosmos and what else. 
but 2018 will bring uh, proof of concepts for a lot of these things. So I know there's uh, a target to, to try to get a proof of concept out in 2018 for Polkadot. And um, like we've been talking about proof of stake and sharding, etc. in 2017, I think we'll be talking a lot about interoperability in 2018 and what we can do with it. Uh, so I think that's that's one of the things that I'm most excited about. And then alongside uh, another like um, related to Zcash getting attention in 2017, I think 2018 will we'll see more applications of zero knowledge proofs outside of uh, Zcash. And it's something I'm pretty excited for as well. Yeah, I'm I'm also excited about zero knowledge knowledge proofs. But uh, not only about them, I'm excited about bringing signatures. I think this concept is also uh, underestimated right now. Besides that, I, I think that an upcoming year or two, we'll uh, see Wasm getting more attention from, from crypto space. So in part, we, we've already started working on um, Wasm interpreter uh, for, for smart contracts. We are not the only team working on that. I know that there are like several other people uh, working on it in the Ethereum space and outside of Ethereum space. Uh, so I, I think that in the upcoming year or two, we'll also see some Wasm-based blockchains, not only Polkadot, getting, uh, getting a lot of attention. Anna, what's your uh, outlook for 2018? What are you, what do you think in, in broad strokes is gonna be uh, be about other like you you mentioned tooling, but like in the ecosystem wide sense, what do you expect? Well, I can say this: in 2017, we definitely saw a lot of groups that had previously not been involved in blockchain get into blockchain. A lot of tech people, a lot of startup people, started to look towards this space. We saw kind of a free-for-all in terms of the ICOs. We saw a lot of money raised for projects where the information about them is actually kind of dubious, kind of unclear. I see 2018 bringing more people, actually, but I also think there's going to start to be a group of people who really can be identified as experts, as true kind of leaders in the space. I'd like to see a little bit more sophistication on the part of the actual investors and on the part of the uh, projects themselves. I'm personally very excited to see which of the projects, the big projects, will end up delivering this year. And I hope that those that deliver, it's a very like overt delivery, and those that don't, um, that that's also made overt to hopefully help to just ed educate the community about what like what this technology actually can do, what it can't do, where the kind of bullshit promises are. Um, I think one of the scarier stories is the company, the Ice-T company that changed its name to blockchain. Like its stock price went up, but there's nothing in it that's actually blockchain related. That's scary. That just shows pure hype, pure bubble. Um, I definitely hope that we start to see uh, more sophistication and some people start to be a bit more critical about this stuff. Um, I. I'm really excited about some of the projects that I've kind of come into contact with this year. Um, and I kind of wanted to ask you about that, if there's anything coming out that's exciting to you. I know like what TrueBit's doing when I finally figured out, when I finally understood what they were doing, I was like, that's really fucking cool. And, uh, and that's a project that I'm quite interested in. I'm, I'm definitely excited, really excited to see Filecoin come out um, and actually be used. I mean, I actually, I don't know exactly their timeline, but that would be really exciting to see as well. 
looking I, at. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I definitely have like a short list of projects that I'm interested in and I think will bring a bunch of cool stuff to the space. Uh, but I'm skeptical that any of them will be able to release anything in 2018. <laughs> Are there other projects that you're thinking about that might actually come out in 2018 that would be good to pay attention to? Uh, I think that Omisago is, is very interesting. Omisago and then Plasma. But I don't know if they can make it in 2018. Because uh, there's a lot of new stuff over there. This is a very there. common story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of new stuff over there. And uh, it means uh, a lot of research. and We'll see, we'll see. But I'm like, really interested in, in Plasma. I feel like what's, what will probably what will probably happen is there will probably be some like project we kind of know now, mm-hmm. and we haven't paid much attention to, and somehow like this year it'll just like yeah. pop up and it'll be like this. That'll be the paradigm thing shifting. Yeah. Like <laughs> it it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if that happened. Like that. Yeah. There's so much stuff going on everywhere, and it's impossible to keep an eye on everything. So like something something coming out of left field is. I mean, it's it's almost expected. <laughs> Do we think we're going to stop using the word blockchain by the end of next year? <laughs> Why should we? I, I don't think I'm so, no. sick of saying it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually think it's a bad term because it's, um, I had someone come up to me uh, once and uh, they were kind of like, um, they had read some article about blockchain and, and they uh, just kind of went to me and said, I think I understood it. But let me double check with you. So it's like a distributed database uh, where you don't really have to trust each node and, um, you know, you control it by private keys. And they kind of explain the system pretty well. And um, and I said, yeah, yeah, that that's totally right. You've, you've got it. And then he went, well, why the fuck are you calling it blockchain? Then like where there, there's no blocks or what's the chain? And like, what are you talking about with blockchain? And I and I had to go like, well, uh, yeah, I mean, it's an implementation level detail like that it is blocks of transactions that are being chained together with the hash of the block and it's well that's irrelevant like that's not like not it's not a good model to think about it because like it doesn't like decentralized database would be a better way to to like for a for a non-technical person to think about it so and yet I think maybe there needs just doesn't yeah, have that ring. No, no, and, and, it, and <laughs> like in this space, it actually means something very different, and so it's it's sort of like um, you you kind of need one term for a technical person and another term for a non-technical yeah. person, and I don't think we've seen any uh, uh, like uh, anyone trying to coin that term for the non-technical people uh, that have, have made sense to me. I have one friend who actually uses the term Web three as instead yeah, of blockchain yeah. really, which is quite cool. Okay. But I think like web free as this, this expression is uh, way broader and then, than just yeah. blockchain. It encompasses a lot more. Yeah. But I think it's a good way to talk about the space in general. Usually people aren't really interested in the blockchain, like in only the blockchain aspect, they're interested in the whole space of what decentralized applications and communication and everything can can bring in the future and then really that that term should be web3 um, one last thing going back to 2018 is um constantinople uh we didn't really touch on that yet um 
Do we have any, like, what's the plan? Okay, so I think that the plan is to have it as soon as possible. Uh, but uh, I don't know when this, this as soon as possible is. So the, the last work before Byzantium was uh, 19 months uh, before. Oh. So I, I don't think that this, uh, this, this set of changes should take as equally long time. But I, I think we'll, if we see uh, Constantinople, we'll see it at the end of the year, not earlier. Oh, wow. uh, and uh, that's... Yeah, and the Serenity Fork, I think we'll not see it until the end of 2019 or maybe even later. Because mm. there when are a lot does, of... When does for the proof of stake... Uh, I think it's in ser Serenity. So oh. I think that we'll see proof of stake uh, not earlier than in 2019 uh, on the Ethereum blockchain. But I, I may be wrong. We'll see. I'm not working on it, so... Um, do you think there will, so the, the, the um, kind of um, way people are talking about this that I'm hearing is that um, the Constantinople fork will bring some features that are then necessary in the Serenity fork for proof of stake. So they're, they're kind of like sneaking in some work that needs to be done before uh, the proof of stake thing is enabled. So I, I just remembered that you know there were so many changes that we wanted to, to, to do in Metropolis that at some point uh, people from the foundation decided to split it into two releases and I think it was a very very good decision uh, but I, I don't know what still needs to be done I, I think that part of this work is already done in our party client it's just not active by default because there are no tests for it but no, no consensus tests. So the consensus tests are prepared by the Ethereum Foundation and they are run by all clients. But as soon as, uh, as you know, those tests will be uh, in place, will be ready to, uh, to have, to enable those features. Yeah. Cool. So something I'm hoping for with the Constantinople fork, and this is um, like a little bit controversial because it's it's relevant to our parity multisig wallet issues. Um, I'm not um, hoping really for a um, recovery of those funds, but I am hoping for um, some feature to be able to recover from mistakes. And I, I don't know what that feature looks like. I, I can't spec it out and I can't say, you know, it should work like this or that, but something like upgradable contracts where like introducing a new opcode for like saying this contract is upgradable and, and therefore like you shouldn't trust it more than you trust any other application that you'd allow to change the code. And so um, like, I'm really hoping for something like that because the community needs it. I think, I think the going forward, that's a, an improvement that will be important and, and good to have. Uh, I'm, and I'm really, really surprised to see like the response to Parity's uh, blog post about wanting some feature like this was so negative and like people are like, no, we shouldn't have upgradable contracts. We shouldn't have any way to allow people to recover from mistakes. And, and it's just to me, it's, it's a weird mentality um, to bring into a, a, an application development framework because like there, there needs to be ways to recover from mistakes. Okay. Humans make mistakes. Um, 
tooling and, and auditing and formal verification can all help, but ultimately people will make mistakes. So how do we deal with them? Uh, if, if we don't see any concrete proposal for it, I, I at least hope that the discussion around this can continue in the community. Yeah, so I think that the main, uh, main uh, reason to, to have this blog post release in the form that we, we did was to start a dis the actual discussion. What can we do about uh, the problems that exist? And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll continue this discussion with the community or members of the community who are willing to uh, talk about these problems because those problems exist for years right now. And there are hundreds or thousands of ether locked uh, in, in various ways on Ethereum blockchain. So I think that there are like several things that we could do to prevent some of those losses. Like we could maybe disable suicide opcode because there is no literally no use case for it because no one is cleaning after his his smart contracts. Maybe we could also disable creating smart contracts with no code. So basically, uh, this kind of transaction would just fail. Yeah, and there are several other things that we could do, but we need to about them and all of this these things are just small changes to the protocol and maybe we could also include them in the upcoming four. Uh, I wanted to say thanks for joining us on this latest Zero Knowledge podcast. Mm -hmm. um, looking forward to next year. Excited to yes. see what's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> Regardless it will be Exciting. There are no dull moments in the blockchain industry. Yes. <laughs> cool. So thanks a lot. And thanks for listening. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. <laughs>